This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Denton Danny without Danny. You're locked into the fan. We're awaiting word on Eric Bieniemy and the commanders. Certainly sounds imminent that he could become their offensive coordinator. We'll get you the news first when it breaks, if it breaks today. Right here on the fan. If he is going to be the OC, though, and that hire does take place, you would think this would make Washington, that the hire would make the commanders more enticing on the open market, maybe a destination for free agents. Should they consider getting into the quarterback market? You might be able to swing for the fences in a way that you couldn't before. You might be able to lure a quarterback here that you couldn't have with Scott Turner or Ken Zampezi. Is that something that they should reconsider or, or discuss? If, in fact, the enemy gets signed and sealed and delivered, we'll talk about that coming up at 425. Joe Beninati of the Capitals broadcasts on NBC Sports Washington on their outdoor game this weekend against the Hurricanes slated for Raleigh tomorrow night in the stadium series. We'll talk to Joe B. about that in a little under an hour at 5 o'clock when we give away a four-pack of tickets to the Defenders. But speaking of which, right now, second of three chances to win Defenders tickets, caller number 10. At 800-636-1067, you're winning a four-pack. D.C. Defenders home opener. You can join the Defenders at Audi Field this Sunday, February 19th, for an 8 p.m. kick. They are taking on the Seattle Sea Dragons. Be there all season long. Get your Defenders season tickets today. They start at 20 bucks per game. You can buy them now at xfl.com slash tickets, or you can visit thefandc.com slash contest. Because it's four, it is time to go blitzing on Grant and Danny. We will get to the Caps and the Commanders. We start from spring training with Mark Zuckerman, who joins us, MassInSports.com. Mark, it is great to hear your voice again. I'm pumped that it's baseball season. Give us a little primer on the first few days from Florida. A little different than previous camps here. <laughs> have, have to be honest, not quite the same as we've gotten used to here over the years. Not a lot of big names, and the big names they do have are not necessarily out there like Steven Strasburg, who, of course, had his setback a few weeks ago. Um, but, you know, it's an optimistic, upbeat, uh, you know, camp, I would say. And I think the what's most notable you're hearing from everybody from the top down is there's a lot of focus not just on who's in big league camp, but who's in minor league camp. And that's clearly where they're headed and what they're focused on right now is the development of their young players. We're going to see some of them this year, but there's a whole lot of them that we're not going to see this year in the big leagues, but are in minor league camp right now. And I think getting a lot of face time with the big league staff as they try to evaluate who might be a part of this thing in the long term. Let's get to some of the minor leaguers in a moment, but Mike Rizzo got emotional today 
talking about Steven Strasburg and his latest setback. What can you tell us about that? Well, so this was Rizzo's first time talking to us um, this spring. And, and, you know, the other day we had gotten word that Strasburg tried to ramp up in D.C. a few weeks ago, had thrown a couple of bullpen sessions and had a recurrence of the, the nerve pain that he's had for several years now. And so they shut him down again. And I think a lot of us, Mike Rizzo admitted himself that he wasn't shocked by that. I think they sort of had a sense that it might come to that, um, that once he's tried to build himself up, that this could crop up again. But the way Rizzo, he was kind of, you know, he's not, you guys know him. He's not an emotional guy. He's not somebody who tears up a lot. He was kind of holding it back a little bit. And I I think it was a little bit of a a subtle acknowledgement that they're running out of ideas here and that there may come a point that it's just, going to have to be understood that it's not going to happen and it's really sad and he said he feels for steven because he's worked so hard he knows he's been uh one of the best big game pitchers really of all time certainly instrumental in what the nationals did not just in 2019 the world series but everything that led up to that point uh if we are getting closer to the end here i think he really feels bad that uh, that steven would not be able to go out on his own terms that he might be forced into some kind of early retirement because he just couldn't get his arm healthy that's a shame I mean, it's for a million reasons, right? But 2019, the, the magical run, him being the World Series MVP, thank goodness for it. You know, that ideally will be the legacy and, and not all the injuries. Forgive the bluntness of the question, but you use the word retirement. I mean, the seven-year, $245 million contract that he got has been a disaster, right, uh, based on the health. If he wants to keep trying to pitch and, and can claim that money, so to speak, like if he doesn't retire – do they have options financially? The deal is an albatross for a team that has really stopped spending. Right, and I think that's why they're not necessarily at that point yet because it's a little tricky how this is going to work. If he were to just voluntarily retire, then he forfeits the rest of his contract, which is you know four more years, so there's a long way to go. It's a lot of money to leave on the table. If the Nationals were to say, eh, you know what, we're, we're kind of done, we're going to release you, they would have to owe him everything they still owe him so my sense is that if they get to a point here and they decide it's just not going to happen um we're going to have to sit down the two sides have to sort of work something out and figure out how to make this thing work the big unanswered question none of us knows the answer to this believe me i've asked is there an insurance policy on the contract or not if there is he could still get full payment but the team wouldn't be responsible for all of it um, but I don't know that, and nobody's been able to come up with the answer to that. I think it's a very small number of people that actually know the answer to that. But for these reasons, I think that's why they're going to try to exhaust every possibility. And until Stephen himself says, no, I'm done, um, they're going to help him and give him every opportunity to try to get healthy and figure out some way to get him back out there. Yeah, you beat me to it. That is the $245 million or so question. Kbert Ruiz, I think, is really important this season. He was a centerpiece in the Scherzer-Turner deal from the Dodgers. You know, L.A. has since turned out a couple of more catching prospects who have even higher ceilings. They're kind of a catching factory. Ruiz has been fine, but the ceiling ideally was, hey, this guy could be a star player for them. He could be a real key contributor for many years in the middle of the lineup. Is that still the case? And, and what do we need to see in a breakthrough-type season for him now in another full Major League campaign? Yeah, they absolutely still believe that. And I think they knew that last year they threw a lot at him. As a, It wasn't officially a rookie, but essentially a rookie catcher. Um, working with the pitching staff, as we know, was really, really bad and having to learn how to do that. Uh, and then also to try to be a productive hitter from both sides of the plate. You know, he's a switch hitter. 
it was a lot on his plate. And he admits that, you know, there were maybe times that it was a lot and his head was spinning. I think having an off season now, having been through it all, going into his second year, you're going to see a different guy. I think he feels a little more relaxed. Um, he knows what to expect now. Hopefully the pitching staff is a little bit better, and that helps make his job easier there. And maybe he can focus more on hitting. They believe he can hit for more power. Um, he's a really good contact hitter. They want him to work on picking the right pitch to hit. Just because a pitch is near the strike zone doesn't mean you have to put the bat on it. Pick the right one and take a good swing and try to drive the ball uh, for some power. So they believe absolutely he can be that, be an all-around complete catcher. Uh, and this is a big year for him to sort of take that next step, maybe with a little of the pressure off now. Specific to the prospects you referenced at the outset of the conversation, Mark Zuckerman, MassInSports.com with us on our Beltway Blitz. Cade Cavalli, a lock to be in the big leagues on opening day. Will we see Robert Hassel in the majors this year, who was one of the key players they got back in the Soto deal? So I assumed, I think a lot of people assumed that Cavalli was a lock to make the rotation, assuming he was healthy. Davey kind of put a little bit of doubt in that the other day and basically saying that Cavalli still needs to earn it. Now, maybe he's just saying that he doesn't want the kid to just uh, you know assume that he's good to go and, and not have a little chip on his shoulder. But maybe there's a little sliver of a chance that if they don't think he's fully ready and could use a little more seasoning at AAA, I, I don't think that does him a lot of good to do that. I would put him in the rotation, but he at least left that possibility out there on him. Uh, Hassel, I was a little surprised he's not in big league camp because he played at AA last year. But um, – they have an early minor league camp here, and guys reported, I think, as early as February 1st, and Hassel is part of that. So Mike Rizzo was saying today he's actually gotten more work already than he would if he was in big league camp, and they're going to call him up at some point to play in some spring training games. So they will get a good look at him. He probably starts the year at AA. Things go well. I think he goes to AAA, and we may see him before the end of the year, and I think that puts pressure on Victor Robles if he doesn't take the steps that they've been pleading with him to take for several years now, uh, I think Robert Hassel is waiting in the wings and we could see him in center field. If it's not by the end of this year, certainly going into next year. That's great to hear. It's incredible that Victor Robles is still a thing that's happening in 2023. Mark, we appreciate the time. Thank you. We'll do it again real soon. All right. Thanks, Grant. Massinsports.com is where you can find his work. Let's talk some hockey. Capitals lose last night, gave up six. We can look back at that game in a moment, but they got big fish to fry uh, tomorrow evening in Raleigh, the stadium series. Ben, your boy bought a, a nice ticket. I will be there. I will be watching, and I will be bundled up. I know you got quite a plan for the game as well, it sounds like, with the broadcast. Tell us what's going on. Yeah, looking forward to it. Just pulling into the stadium parking lot, actually, ahead of this evening's practice here, weather permitting. But, yes, we'll be rinkside tomorrow night. The whole crew, John and Ken, will be rinkside at the blue line, and I will be positioned in the opposite corner working to bring uh, our listeners on the fan and across the radio network uh, the best coverage we can. But looking forward to it. It's a spectacle. It always is the fourth time Capitals will be taking part in the outdoor experience. It's kind of a bucket list item for a lot of players and uh, something we're, we're very much looking forward to. I do apologize if I have to talk to a parking attendant in a minute, but we're, we're, we're with you. We like the live coverage of you getting into the arena. You do whatever you have to do. Hi, we're just going to eavesdrop and listen West, in. West here we go. Where is he, where's he parking? Are you here for outdoor? Yes. Are He's here, here for outdoor, yep. He is. 
Oh, he's got a U-turn. Poor Ben. Oh, Trinity. I knew it was on Trinity. Okay, U-turn, a left, and a Trinity. All right, he's got this. He can do this. And he said thank you. Oh, Ben, we just we just got to hear the whole deal. That was wonderful. Um, so next question would be, I, I love the spectacle of it. I do. But this is a big game for the Caps as well. They, they are reeling. They just lost three straight at home for the first time since the late 90s. Can you just speak to how badly they need this game against the Hurricanes as well? Yeah, and I know, you know, we're pushing it forward. We're looking forward to the stadium series game here, but – Last night was, was really a missed opportunity, given the standings, given the importance last night, you know, taking on a Florida Panthers team on their heels, competing for that wild card spot. So, yes, having now lost three straight in regulation for the first time this year at any point, for the first time three straight on a homestand without picking up a point, as you noted, since the late 90s, uh, definitely, definitely the, there's got to be some urgency here. The trade deadline is two weeks from today. And uh, certainly, you know, a real appetite to, to turn things around here. Did you successfully, speaking of turning things around, make the U-turn yet? <laughs> We're working on it. I apologize, fellas. I got the message at 10 a.m. today to join you guys. I didn't know where I was going to be at 4 a.m. No, hey, don't you worry about a thing. This is going well, fellas. <laughs> it's going great. It, correct me if I'm wrong. I actually heard about this, and it sounded awesome. Aren't all the families, like kids and wives and stuff, doing a skate with the players today? Yeah, weather permitting. We got uh, we got a little drizzle here. I, I don't know how this is uh, doing for the, the outdoor sheet of ice, but, uh, but yes, the, the families are part of it. In all seriousness, it's part of what makes it a spectacle and, and a unique event for the players and all those involved. Yes, they are scheduled for a six o'clock practice and the families to be a part of the on ice festivities afterwards and all the photo ops and, and everything they could take advantage of there. By the way, we have pulled over safely. We're just, we've pulled over. So we're at a boy. You have my, you have my full attention for whatever remains in this segment before it really comes to a complete uh, crashing halt here. Just in time for me to say goodbye. And I uh, just wanted to remind you, I've heard, I don't know if this is true, but my sauces are telling me, the media parking's on Trinity, so uh, go go find it. This is an all-timer. I'll have to listen back to the podcast. <laughs> Appreciate it, Ben. All right, Ben. Be good, buddy. So there's Ben Raby of the Capitals Radio Network. Going to be great access. Should be an excellent listen on 106.7 The Fan. Again, those guys are on ice level, basically on the glass calling the game. I'm fired up for it. All right, let's keep it moving. Commanders. Matt Paris of the Washington Times. I feel like Brian Fantana, Panda Watch, except it's Eric <laughs> Bieniemy. I mean, every reporter is seems to have all the same information. It's all very glowing. The meeting's going great. They've been meeting for 60 hours. They've eaten more meals than anyone's ever eaten. What in the hell are we waiting for here? Is it happening or it's not? I don't know. I mean, maybe we're, you know, maybe Bieniemy changed wardrobe after lunch and had to <laughs> yeah. change it to a new outfit. I mean, it's. I don't know what the holdup is here, but it it sounds it, everything so far has been encouraging. I mean, they're on a second day or a third day of this, considering they grabbed dinner Wednesday night. It, it's going well. There's mutual interest. I, you know, it's just hammering out a contract. I suppose I'm curious if it happens. You know, what is the enemy's title? Is it assistant head coach and offensive coordinator? Is it just offensive coordinator? I think the structure of things 
it's still coming into place. But at this point, I'd be really surprised if it didn't happen. I like that the enemy's making him earn it. You know, you never want to accept on the first date. You know, you, you want to wait right. two or three uh, dinners later before you tell Ron Rivera, yes, that you guys can uh, hit your wagons together. I hadn't thought about the assistant head coach title. That's interesting to me. I've kind of just been thinking about it as an OC because you've, you've got Del Rio in-house who's a former head coach. But that might be a thing, Matt. W- what makes you think they could go that route? Well, it's just, you know, if to make it not necessarily a lateral move, I know Washington has uh, give Washington will allow him to be a play caller. That's obviously uh, the appeal of this job for Bienemy. But you know, just throw it in a little bit more. Bienemy ha- had the title actually in Minnesota in 2010 when he was on Brad Childress's staff. So he's had this title before, but maybe it's something. It, maybe it's an extra piece. Uh, to learn him to Washington. If this works out really well, he could actually leave after one season. And you could have Sam Howell at that point with an offense in North Carolina that he left behind, an offense with Scott Turner that's done, and an offense with the enemy they need to replace, and he'd be on basically four in four years. Should that in any way give me pause that, that you, you might want to hire someone who will be around for a couple of years, or is that not a consideration here? I don't know if it's a consideration because one, you know, if the season doesn't go as planned, then Rivera is probably getting fired anyway. And it's the same dilemma if you don't make a slam dunk hire. And then two, I mean, if the enemy hasn't earned a head coaching job after winning the Super Bowl twice with Patrick Mahomes, you know, Washington could maybe be the thing that uh, gets him over the top, but I wouldn't, you know, absolutely bet that right now. I, you know, we've seen with the enemy so far that he's been un, perhaps unfairly unable to get a coaching job. So, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't pencil in that he's gone after a year if they do well. I mean, we'll, we'll just have to see. Matt, thank you for the insight, and we will be uh, glued to the timeline as we await word on what's going to happen with the enemy. We appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Matt Paris of the Washington Times. It, it really is a, a Fantana-like stakeout now. I mean, you can just imagine – all of the, the, the reporters just waiting for the, the word in that text that it is official after a couple days of courtship, which is somewhat abnormal in terms of the meals and all of the uh, leaks about how successful the interviews and the meetings are going and, and everything that's happening, but yet no official hiring of Eric Bieniemy. Um I'm going to speculate as to what is taking so long, even though this is inevitably going to happen, it would appear, and we can do that next. Also, I do think we might need to at least reassess whether or not this is a destination for a quality quarterback. If you're bringing in a guy who's been the coordinator of the number one offense in the league for five years, you might be able to be more of a player when it comes to some of the better quarterbacks that are available. Is is that something they should think about if they land the enemy? Let's get into that next on Grant and Danny. You want tickets to the D.C. Defenders game on Sunday night? we got a four-pack for you in 40 minutes if you uh, win them right here on 106.7 The Fan. Ron, looking ahead, do you think your starting quarterback week one is on your roster right now? Well, I think he most certainly can be. I I know this. We will go into OTA's minicamp and training camp 
uh, with Sam Howell more likely QB1, and we'll see what happens. I mean, it's his opportunity. This is a challenge to him. You know, if he comes out and does the things that he's capable of, we believe he's capable of, he can most certainly be our guy. But we'll find out. And, again, that's what competition is going to do. It's going to bring out the best in all our guys. That was Ron Rivera on NFL Network on his media tour, like a comedian touring cities doing morning shows at Super Bowl Radio Row, talking to TV and radio stations from all over the country. That's what he had to say about Sam Howell as the starting quarterback. We went into Radio Row week, Super Bowl week, if you will, thinking Howell would be Rivera's guy. We came out more confident, more sure of that than previous, uh, like we'd thought before, and I think that that's probably going to be the case, but I want to spend some time addressing with you guys here in a moment whether or not we should reopen the idea of trying to upgrade at quarterback if, in fact, Eric Bieniemy, your OC, gives you a chance to do better than you would have without him. I saw a video a couple minutes ago, though. I'm on Twitter at Grant H. Paulson. It's floating around on the Twitter sphere today of Patrick Mahomes. If you guys haven't seen this, it's really funny. So Super Bowl parade. In Kansas City, they had a million people come out, by the way. Just had a huge party all day long. You guys remember what this is like. We did this in 18 and in 19 with the Caps and the Nationals, respectively, and hopefully we'll, we'll do it again very soon. But Chiefs fans are partying. Players are inebriated. They're drinking. They're you know kind of hobbling all over the place, on the, on the the wobbling back and forth on the uh, pavement, uh, walking around high-fiving people next to the buses. And Mahomes goes over and takes a picture with a fan. So the, the guy gets his camera out. You know, he's that guy. Who, you know, he's trying to hit all the right buttons, and he can't get the picture taken. So eventually he gets the selfie with Mahomes. And Mahomes, who's clearly not in a normal middle-of-the-game state of mind, has the Lombardi trophy in his right hand, and he hands the guy the Lombardi trophy, the fan, behind the guardrail with all the other fans. He hands him the Lombardi trophy and turns around and walks back to the bus. You forgot something, Pat. You forgot the Super Bowl trophy. Now, the, the video does not show anyone run over and get it from the fan. I'm quite sure that probably happened soon thereafter. But it was almost a natural reaction, like a muscle reflex, where you take a picture or you sign an autograph and you hand the Sharpie back. It was as if he was handing the guy his phone back, like he took the picture. And maybe the way his brain was working at that moment, he thought he was just handing him his cell phone. But he just gives this random dude the legitimate, actual Lombardi trophy. I guess it's possible that this guy had a fake replica of the Lombardi that he handed Patrick uh, for the picture, and, and then Patrick handed it back. I don't think that's what happened, though. But if you, if you get a chance, you got to check it out. Really, really funny. I'll retweet it in a minute, uh, at Grant H. Paulson. So why is getting the enemy done taking so long? My quick speculation is just that they're ironing out all the details of the staff. I was told a couple days ago that was going to be the sticking point and or the most difficult part of this process. Now, they didn't think, the person I was talking to, that money would be the problem. It didn't seem like the enemy was overly concerned about the pending sale or that the commanders had any kind of nerves or anxiety about uh, whether or not they were going to let the enemy uh, call the shots and, and run the plays he wants to. Or th There certainly wasn't any th thought that it, without Andy Reid he wasn't going to be a Terrific OC. The one thing that I gathered from my conversations with people familiar with these negotiations was, you know, Bienemy is going to want to bring in as many of his own guys as possible, and Rivera just typically 
wants to keep as many of the assistants that he's comfortable with around. And while I don't think either of them would probably allow that to be a deal breaker if they really wanted to link up, I certainly don't think Ron Rivera would allow it to cost him the enemy if, if that's the end-all be-all. I do think there's just work to be done there, and it's an important part of the process. And maybe, I'm speculating, but maybe that is what is taking the extra time. When we're talking about 12 hours at the facility yesterday and several hours today and multiple dinners, you know, perhaps they're just trying to get these assistants to agree to deals or get them out of some of their agreements perhaps with the Chiefs. Maybe you've got to figure out some uh, decisions with the assistants here in Washington that could be on their way out. I mean, there's all kinds of different possibilities. So that's my best guess on why we don't have any news just yet. But we're with you until 6.30 here on Grant and Danny. we got two more hours, and hopefully something breaks before we are off the air uh, this afternoon on this Friday here on G&D. So here is why I want to sell you guys on the possibility that a Biennemi hire opens the door to getting into the quarterback market. And I'll open up the MGM National Harbor listener lines for the first time since our first hour to get some feedback on this because I'm really curious to see what you guys think. If it's true that Washington does not want to go get a quarterback with a resume and proven success that exceeds what Sam Howell has done in the NFL in one game. Why would that be? Let's ask ourselves that first. I feel like I'm uh, Brian Windhorst. Why? My fingers are up in the air. Why would Washington not want to upgrade from Sam Howell? But, But let's ask ourselves that question legitimately here. So let's just assume it's fact that they really want Sam Howell to be their starter and they're not going to be getting into the quarterback market, which is what Rivera told anyone who would listen last week. I came up with four possible reasons why that would be the case, okay? The first reason you wouldn't go get a veteran and or upgrade at quarterback going into a gotta-have-it, make-or-break, winner-I'm-fired kind of year if you're Rivera in your fourth year here in Washington. The number one reason why, and these are just in random order, not, not ranked, is that you're sold on Sam Howell. I don't need to try to sign Derek Carr. I don't have to try to trade for Aaron Rodgers. I don't need to try to make a play for Geno Smith or Daniel Jones if they become available. I'm not in the market for Jimmy Garoppolo because I already know that Sam Howell is great. I've got a really good quarterback. I don't need those guys because my guy – is a future pro bowler. My guy is going to be a standout. You're sold on Sam Howe. I don't believe that that is the case. I think they're intrigued by Sam Howe. I think they are excited about what he could become. And they're hopeful that Sam Howe on a rookie deal is an asset and can turn into you know, a franchise quarterback, let's say. But I don't think they know for sure. I don't think they're confident that he's a stud. I think it's, it's more that Sam Howell costs nothing than that they love and are confident that Sam Howell is going to be the real deal. So I'm going to just say that 
This is not the reason why they're not going and getting another quarterback. Again, we're trying to figure out why wouldn't they want to go do that. And I guess the best way for me to put this is, if everyone else costs the exact same amount as Sam Howell, would they still choose Howell over that guy? Because that's what that means if you're telling me they're sold on Sam Howell. If you want Howell over Jimmy G, or you want Howell over Carr, or you want Howell over, I don't know if Rodgers is realistic as a trade, but you know, again, any of the available quarterbacks at the same rate, and they would say, no, we really like Sam Howell because we think that the, the ceiling here is huge. Okay, that means you're sold on him over the other options. But is that really the case? I would say no. So the next possible option as to why they're not going out and trying to get a upgrade or a better quarterback would probably be that, and again, we're spitballing, let's say they can't spend the money it would take to add a quarterback because they don't have the money with a sale going on, or Dan Snyder, if he is actually trying to sell imminently in the next couple of weeks here before the start of the league year, is not going to take on a quarterback where you're paying C. Rogers close to 50, Carr 30, 35 mil, Garoppolo 27 to 32 mil, whatever it's going to be, maybe 34 mil for Garoppolo or something. They did that with Carson Wentz last year. They weren't about to sell. They're not going to do that again, have to have the cash in the coffers, have to be able to pay whatever bonus hits the start of the league year for a new quarterback, taking on that kind of cap space, taking on that kind of money, that expenditure. So I think it's very possible to say, if you agree with me here, that you can rule out the idea. If we're ruling out, they're not completely sold that Howell's just better than everybody else available, which I think would be silly after one game and 11 completions. The idea that they can't spend because of the sale is possible, but they are going out and probably paying the enemy top-of-the-line top money at, at his coordinator role. Supposedly, Snyder is at least moderately involved. Uh, you, you got a report from Channel 9 in D.C. that he's flying Jason Wright in to help try to seal the deal with a guy that he's familiar with. Also, Rivera has said publicly, for what it's worth, if you believe this, that he's been told they can do what they want, there are no restrictions, operate as if everything is normal from a money standpoint this offseason. The other reason you might not <clears throat> go get another quarterback is, let's say you have the money or are allowed to spend the money, and I think this one's more realistic, you just don't want to commit the resources because you just did it last year and it blew up in your face and you're tired of trying to find a QB and paying what it takes or giving up the picks you would rather, you look around the league, not have to pay a quarterback an unbelievable amount of money, have a productive player who's good enough that you can win with them on a rookie deal so that you can beef up and spend elsewhere. You can pay more players. You can extend Deron Payne and Cam Curl and Montez Sweat and go get a, a upgrade on the interior in free agency on your offensive line. I think this is definitely a factor. I really do believe their epiphany is enough with trying to find a quarterback at a huge rate who isn't guaranteed to be really, really good. We're not going to pay an okay or good quarterback, great quarterback money. Let's go the cheap way with Sam Howell. I think that's a very realistic reason why they decided they weren't going to go get a better quarterback. But the last reason, I got four of them here, that they're sold that Howell is better. I don't buy it. That maybe they can't spend because of the sale. It's possible that they don't want to commit the resources, I think that's definitely true. The last reason would have been that they just can't land the guy that they would want to land anyway. Because last year they tried to, a couple of years in a row they've talked about this. Russell Wilson said no. 
Rodgers didn't want to come here. Maybe Jimmy Garoppolo and, and some of the other guys that they talked to preferred other places. Does that part change because of the enemy? You can't fix the ownership part of this. There is no adjustment coming there. You're not going to have a fluid ownership situation. You can't touch a button and have the team sold. You can't touch a button and have Dan Snyder keep the team and actually be a good owner, right? What quarterbacks cost is not changing. So if it's about resources or what you don't want to pay someone, that is just something you've got to deal with. It's an inevitability. But the one element of these things that may have been reasons why they're not going to get a quarterback that can and has and will change the second that you go get the enemy is if you thought you just weren't a suitor that people cared about. You know, if you just weren't enticing enough, that you weren't uh, a cool kid in the at the party. And my question to you guys is, assuming this is one of the reasons why they felt like they couldn't go get a quarterback, does this make them cooler? Does this make them more of a player? Scott Turner is an unknown as a coordinator. Ken Zampezi or Pat Shermer aren't needle movers. If they're making a phone call to Carr, Garoppolo, Rodgers, whoever it is, and they're saying, hey, it's Pat Shermer, hey, it's Ken Zampezi, that doesn't carry the weight, I wouldn't think of. Hey, it's Eric Bieniemy. You just saw me at the Super Bowl with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Number one offense last five years. How are you? Do you think Bieniemy helps them become more of a destination? 800-636-1067. And if the answer is yes, should they in any way reconsider their philosophy at quarterback? Or should they continue forward with Sam Howell and not worry about the fact that they might be able to upgrade a little bit with who's willing to say yes when it comes to prom? That's the question. 800-636-1067. Grant and Danny on the fan without Danny today. And having him as an offensive coordinator, not official yet, but it sounds like things are headed that way maybe even by the end of the day today, it would have seemed to me that you would have more luck at courting at all positions on offense, including quarterback, talented players to come play for you. Do you agree with that, yes or no? 800-636-1067. Does he make them more eligible to get behind the rope as a cool kid, so to speak? Does he make them... uh, a better place to go in free agency. And if that's the case, should they reopen their quarterback idea? If they didn't think they could get one of the better quarterbacks on the market, would this change that at all? Let's go to the phones. Mike is in Manassas on line one. Mike, you're on Grant and Danny without Danny. What's up? Uh, Good evening. Um, Long-time listener. Um, Haven't called in quite a while. Um, Yes, the enemy does make them uh, a more interesting place to go. But the bottom line is, is that, there's got to be success. For this offseason, yes, uh, he makes it better. But the bigger picture when it comes to quarterback is this. And they have to do something about the defensive line. They have to trade one of their defensive ends. And the reason being is we cannot let the player walk just like we did with Williams and Sheriff and Cousins. We have to, we have to trade one. And the key is is getting a first round draft uh, pick for next year. So you let um, you let uh, the rookie play next year as a starter. Let him try to earn it. It's a reason you drafted him. He was a Heisman candidate in his junior year. Lost all his receivers. Even if you have to let Samuels go, 
I think that Duwami du- um, Brown is a decent replacement. But you have that pick for next year. If things don't work out with Howell, then what you do is you have two first-round draft choices. You go get Caleb Williams. You, you go all in. And give up, you know, whatever else you need to do besides your first two drafts. Well, that's interesting. Thanks for the call. I mean, if if the enemy is still here after this season, I think pairing him then with a high end pick, if you trade it up, would be a no brainer. Uh, even though still he would unlikely be long for the job, but he's not signing a one year deal to come here, right? It's it's going to be a multi year commitment with the idea that hopefully for him he's going to get out of here and go be a head coach. But, yeah, one of the reasons I like the idea of rolling with Hal this season is because you're not committed to anything beyond the one year with a coach going into what could be a lame duck season, right? I mean, we've talked a lot about this. I think it's fair to say GM, head coach, quarterback, everyone's coaching, playing for their future. And rather than committing several years to a QB who then gets inherited by the next coach, I think the idea of giving Sam Howell a season to see what he is is smart because if if he plays well, you win, literally and figuratively. If he plays badly, that's okay too because you'll have brand-new decision-makers picking a brand-new quarterback, and it'll all be timed up at the same time for the first time, which I think is really, really helpful for a team-building experiment. Let's go to Mike in La Plata on line two. Hey, Mike. Hey, what's up, Grant? How you doing, man? I'm chilling. So uh, much like the uh, first caller, I definitely agree that – the enemy makes this a better destination. But I think this is such – this is my hot take of the day. I think this is such a genius move by Rivera because he's going to be selling this to the next ownership group that we've got a head coach in waiting. And so he's selling it to the enemy that we've got time for the enemy to pick his guy, play it out for this year, uh, see what happens, you know, in the draft, see how he goes next year. And I think that might be one of the details uh, is they're going to be taking a page book from the – playbook from the uh, college ranks and have a head coach in waiting. What do you think? So I would wonder, thanks for the call. I mean, you say it's a win for Rivera. I, I don't know how he benefits from kind of cementing his replacement, unless the idea would be he'd be elevated into some Mike Holmgren-esque team president role. I guess that's possible. I don't know that he's earned that. I mean, I, I don't think – to me, Rivera's a much better head coach – then he's proven to be as a front office executive at this point. So for your kind of hypothetical to play out where Rivera is excited because he's got the coach of the future, I would think that would mean he'd be the future Grand Poobah, like running the whole thing. And I I need to see a lot more from him and his staff picking players and a lot more success than I have to feel good about that. Dave's in Woodbridge. What's up, Dave? You're on Grant and Danny. No Danny. How are you? Hey, buddy. So this is a lame duck year. Um, I don't think Rivera's coaching here next year, regardless whether there's a, a pitch in place for Biennemi to take over. Um, I, honestly, I don't even know why he's coming here with ownership and, and doubt. Um, and, until there's a change of ownership, Snyder's not paying any extra signing bonus to, to any player, <laughs> you know, that a, a Rogers or, you know, wh- whomever. And, and who wants to pay $40 million a year for a losing record quarterback like Carr or Daniel Jones who might, you know, or Geno who's a one-year wonder right now? I, I think they need to just stay the course, re-sign some of our own, bring in some offensive linemen. And maybe in the second round that the 
Hooker, the, the quarterback from Tennessee, might fall to him because he's going to be, you know, out for part of the season anyway with his leg injury. That might be the guy if, you know, what we have isn't, isn't going <laughs> to lead us. Possible. Um, Appreciate you. I mean, you know, what's, what's interesting to me about the call, because I, I don't disagree with most of it, but the idea that you have no interest in a Geno who played exceptionally well last year, who I don't think will be available anyway for the record, or Derek Carr, who's had a very successful, productive career, but you're really interested in Hendon Hooker, who's proven nothing and is coming off an ACL. You know, because those guys had losing records, which is a bad metric to judge quarterback performance anyway. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if you want to go young because it costs no money, then that makes sense. I totally get that. Eventually, you're going to have to pay a hooker or a howl if they're really good. Obviously, you get the gift that is that rookie contract before that. So that's a very reasonable take to say draft, don't sign. But look at the Jets. They've been drafting. You know, Geno, as an example, and, and Darnold. And we talked about their, their draft history with Mark Sanchez. and They've thought they've gotten this right. Zach Wilson, number two. They keep getting it wrong, and so now they're going with a surer thing maybe, bringing in Derek Carr and trying to court him so that they know, okay, these guys all fell on their face in this crapshoot of a draft. This guy might not be top five in the league, but we know he can play at a level that is way beyond all the guys that we've drafted. It's going to cost a pretty penny, but at least we're going to be able to win. 9, 10, 11 games a year if we can build the defense we need to and, and give him the things around him that it takes. Let's talk to Joe Beninati next. Joe B on the call of Caps games for NBC Sports Washington again all season long. They've got their most exciting regular season game of their schedule this year, their outdoor game in Raleigh against the Hurricanes, a massive game in the Metro Division tomorrow night. We'll discuss That with Joe B. Next, we'll also give away our final four-pack of tickets to the D.C. Defenders home opener at Audi Field this Sunday when we return on Grant and Danny. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.